Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I am with Bibiana Gonzalez-Rea, who is the founder and winemaker of Catlea Wines in Sonoma County. Bibiana, you are someone that I have admired for so long. I am so delighted to be with you this morning. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me, Michelle. This is an honor for me, too. I really appreciate the invitation. Let's tell everybody how amazing you are, because you are quite fascinating, to say the least. You were born and raised in Colombia, trained in Bordeaux. I read somewhere that you knew at the age of 14 that you knew you wanted to have a career in wine. Can you describe that moment? Yeah, that's a great uh, question. As you mentioned, I was born and raised in Medellin, Colombia. So Medellin is a city of about 3 million people. Uh, People don't realize how how big it is. Um, And I grew up on, you know, I didn't grow up in agriculture. So it was on the city. My parents both, they work. So my mom is an economist. My father is an engineer. So we didn't have much to do with uh, farming uh, other than just going to the countryside on the weekends for the weekend. Um, And I just became really fascinated about the idea of making wine out of nowhere, Uh, really, to be honest with you. uh, My parents didn't drink wine. I didn't have um, like an upbringing or seeing people making wine. Uh, but I was really fascinated with the product. And I think um, a lot of consumers can connect with that in the sense that we all are fascinated with wine because it's this product that has been part of humankind for hundreds and hundreds of years and really kind of manifest what a person can do on crafting a product from agriculture to become something that we enjoyed at the table that is completely transformed during the fermentation process and that can be on a bottle for 100 years as well. So I think that was really my fascination about the idea of wine, but I really wanted to make it. So it was not just about drinking it or talking about wine. It was really about the idea of crafting this product. At 14. At 14. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yes, so you had this aha moment at 14. What did you do at such a young age to begin to work towards that goal? Yeah, so I started to read a little bit, but to be honest with you, I didn't understand much of what I was reading, even though it was in Spanish. uh, The world of wine is kind of complex, and uh, the words didn't really make sense at that age to me. Uh, So I would just read books and kind of go from very simple explanations to a little bit more complex books. And then uh, once I graduated from high school, I went to the university to study chemical engineering, trying to get into the chemistry of winemaking. But I really realized very fast that I was not going to learn how to make wine, studying engineering and chemistry combined. So I actually came to the United States for six months to learn English and to kind of think about how I'm going to get into wine. 
And I came back to Colombia and I did another two years of college for business. And then I just realized I just really, really want to go and make it. So one day I told my parents that I was going to go to Chile to make a harvest. And they were a little bit disappointed. Like, you really need to have a career, get a degree on something, and then you can go and do it. So my mom suggested to go to France and study winemaking in France. So that's what I did. I want to say, and the rest is history, but that, <laughs> let's talk about what happened next. You did go to France. You got a degree in viticulture and enology there, right? Correct. So I have two different degrees from France. I study viticulture and enology in Cognac. Uh, so that is really a degree that is extremely focused on really doing the job, sure. <clears throat> learning how to plant a vineyard, take care of the vines, farm it yourself, everything, um, and winemaking as well. And then I went to the University of Bordeaux and I got my degree of enology, which is a master's degree, like equivalent to Davis in California. And you've worked in the wine industry now in France, South Africa, and California. Correct. So you are like so well versed on so many different terroirs. Thank you. Yeah, I, I really was um, really eager to learn as much as I could. So when I when I was in France, I did six different harvests, and <clears throat> I initially worked in Cote Roti, which is a Syrah production region, and then I work in Cognac, I work in Bordeaux, I work in Alsace and Burgundy. And as you mentioned, I went to South Africa. I really wanted to see how French varietals behave in what they call the new world. And I came to California for the first time in 2004. So I think this is going to be my 26, 27 harvest, 2022. Um, so it's been really exciting. And I really love the opportunity to do a lot of handwork. And uh, I was probably what they call a cellar rat for at least 10 harvests before I took the reins to be a head winemaker or of that sort. Why did you settle on California? Yeah, that is a great question. I actually came to California for the first time in 2004. And that was after living six years in France and studying winemaking over there. So I was really curious about how French rioters would uh, behave on different terroirs around the world. Um, so when I came here, I actually came to Sonoma County and I was just fascinated by the amount of opportunities that you have as a winemaker, but also the options we have to craft unbelievable wines. Um, when you get trained in France, you're a little bit brainwashed thinking that there is nothing else than France uh, or French wines. I actually never even drink Italian or Spanish wines, to be honest. Um, so it was a very narrow-minded, kind of very focused training experience. And then when I came to California, I was like, wow, like the terroirs, the quality of the fruit was amazing. The wines that I was tasting were really impressive. So, and I mean, the weather, Sonoma is beautiful. It's such a beautiful place. And um, it's just really like the, you know, people talk about the American dream. And I think it happens the same with wine. Um, we get trained to always very be focused on the terroir in France. And coming here was to be able to focus on specific terroirs, but also have the resources and the investment behind to, to also be able to craft really great, great different wines. So um, I just really fell in love of the area. 
Um, and Sonoma has been definitely my biggest focus since the beginning. Okay. So it stole your heart and you stayed. Yeah. And then all the great producers hired you. <laughs> yeah, I, I came back in 05. So I was doing double vintage between South Africa and California for three years. So from 2004 to 2006. Um, I was going uh, between the North and the South Hemisphere. And then in 2007, I really decided to settle in California. So I came back in 07. I work in, uh, in the Central Coast in Santa Barbara area. And, but I really wanted to move to Sonoma. So pretty soon after that, on December of 2008, I moved to Sonoma um, and started working here. You worked for a Linmar for about three years, but then it was really Paul Meyer and the Jason label and Wayfair that kind of took up a lot of your time. Yeah, so when I was the head winemaker at Linmar, uh, I was definitely only dedicated to, to that winery. Mm-hmm. And that's really, I would say, where some of the wine critics or the wine publications really start talking more about my craft and kind of getting more curious about what was making the wines difference or why those wines were becoming what they were. And that was definitely a very exciting time and a great opportunity for me. And in 2011, I got married. I'm actually married to another winemaker uh, with whom I have a small single label called Shared Notes. And we got married in 2011. And I felt at the time that with all my experience, I wanted to become a consultant winemaker. Uh, so I had an idea that I was going to focus on a state farm, uh, state-owned wineries to really be able to have an impact on their vineyards to then obviously have an impact on the wine quality. Uh, little I knew that I was going to meet Jason Paulmeyer really soon after I left Lindmar and we had just a great conversation and he really wanted me to... Uh, to really put all my efforts on their coastal vineyard. Uh, at the time, the vineyard didn't have a label. They were blending the grapes with other vineyards from Russian River, and he really wanted somebody to kind of focus on that and say, hey, you know, can you really make an extraordinary wine from here? So I became the exclusive consultant winemaker to the Paul Meyer family. So I was the vineyard manager and the winemaker for Wayfarer. And soon after, I took over the Paul Meyer in Napa production as well. So definitely extremely time-consuming. Um, the Paul Meyer Napa production uh, is much larger than uh, what Wayfarer was at the time. And so many different vineyards, they were that we would purchase fruit from and also estate fruit. So it was a, it was definitely a, a pretty large project that took a lot of my time. What would you say has been the most challenging part of your career up to this point? Probably 2017, uh, when we experienced the first fires in California or in, in wine country, um, I think that we are trained, uh, we train our body and our minds to be really prepared to changes on the weather, rain, botrytis, um, heat, but uh, you, you never think that you are going to go through um, wildfires, evacuations, and to really have to think at the same time on the quality of the wines that you are making, but also life, right? Like... Um, 
are you gonna lose your home? Is people, you know, people can die uh, trapped on those fires? And it just, I, I really don't think I have ever experienced a more difficult um, harvest. Uh, all the Pinot Noirs were already in tank and everything was almost finished with fermentation. So it really didn't affect Sonoma County, but it definitely affected Napa. And at the time, as I mentioned it, I was managing all the Napa production for the Paul Meyer family. So that definitely was a very, very difficult year for me. Um, I have two boys. So at the time I had a six months old baby and almost a two years old boy or a year and a half. Uh, and we were evacuated from our home. So my husband and I had to evacuate, had to take our kids down to Monterey County, to their grandma, come back, take care of the wine. So it was really, uh, it was just really devastating. So not so much about wine, but at the same time, it's mother nature. And um, that's just something that we have had to live with and kind of prepare yourself in a way. Um, but yeah, I would say that differently has been. Yeah. Well, I do want to talk about your brand. So after all the consulting and all the experience, you decide not only to partner with your winemaking husband on a wine brand, but also launch your own wine brand. Because why? Yeah. You want to have something of your own? That's a very interesting uh, question, too. I actually never wanted to have my own label. Um, and I think it comes from training. So when you're training France, that's not really the philosophy that you are trained for. And when you don't own a winery, uh, like it was my case, um, you are trained to really, you are going to become the winemaker for a place your whole life, right? That's kind of really the goal or what is your benchmark? You are going to look for a winery that is <clears throat> of the standards of quality that you want to do. And then you're going to stick to it for 40 years or 50 years. And then you come to California, you have this amount of opportunities where, you know, if you have the knowledge, people want you to consult for them. And then you are doing this and that. And uh, I was very dedicated to my job as head winemaker at Trinmar. And I was always very critical of winemakers that have other side projects. And then they are do they are the head winemaker of a winery, which obviously I understand why now. But at the time I was like, you know, I, I don't want any conflict of interest. And my husband was always like, Viviana, like, why are you not starting your own label? Like, do you realize the amount of experience you have and how many, how many people would really love to see you making all the decisions from the beginning? I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And in 2011, after we got married, I really made the decision that I wanted to become a consultant. And, uh, in 2011, also coincidentally, uh, I got to see fruit from one of my husband's vineyards in the Santa Lucia Highlands, which is called the Soberanes Vineyard. So it's a vineyard planted by the Pisoni family with the Franchoni family, and Mark Pisoni, who is my brother-in-law, farms the vineyard. So I saw that fruit. I'm a big Syrah fan. I love Syrah, and I'm seeing this fruit on those two small macro beans. I'm like, oh my gosh, this fruit looks so beautiful. It was after a long day of me doing the harvest at Rinmar. And I come to Jeff Winery and I'm like, this is one of the most beautiful Syrah I have seen from California. I mean, this is just amazing. Um, 
And then jokingly, he said, like, well, I can give you a ton if you want. And I said, like, no, I already told you I don't want to start my own label. <laughs> Um, so he started asking me, like, he would come home and he would be like, hey, what do you think I should do with this wine? Will you do a pump over? Will you do a punch down? What temperature do you think this should be fermented? And I was obviously like, oh, you should do this. You should do that. Like, I was just pretty excited. And then I, I, when I made the decision to become a consultant and I quit my job, um, I came back home. It was on a Sunday at 7 a.m. that I met with the owner and... Because we would meet on the weekends and I, I, I would work just so much. And I came home and I say to Jeff, like, okay, so I spoke with Dreen and, you know, I'm, I'm moving on doing my consulting. And he's like, well, if you want to start your own label, that ton of fruit that I offer to you is a wine I made with all your advice. So you can have it. And that was really the beginning of my wine label. So it was really only one barrel, 25 cases uh, from 2011. So that's really how Catreya started. Catreya uh, is the name of an orchid. So it's the national flower of Colombia. And as long as I know, I'm the only Colombian born and raised trained winemaker in the world, which is pretty bizarre or rare i would say well you are one of kind one of a kind <laughs> correct you are one of a kind yeah. you are like a, a rare gem thank you it's yeah it's interesting so that was the beginning and it has grown from 25 cases to how many now? Yeah, so now we are making almost 2000 cases of Catreya wines and as I mentioned, I have a small label with my husband. So that wine is called Shared Notes because it's a project where he and I, we are sharing our winemaking knowledge in one specific varietal, which is Sauvignon Blanc. And then I have a third label called Alma de Catreya, and that is almost 12,000 cases. And are those three projects the only projects that you're working on? Yes, Okay. That's it. And uh, uh, my husband. Oh, and, and her I, coffee. And the coffee. Yeah. Coffee. Well, I have to ask about shared notes. How well does that working relationship go between you and your husband? Two winemakers working on a wine brand. Yeah. So, I, you know, I feel like it's one of my... Uh, favorite projects to do. Uh, Jeff and I, we are both extremely passionate about our work. We are pre-workaholics, so we work a little bit too much sometimes. So I really felt like for me, the project was uh, about him and I spending time together and just really having an excuse to, you know, to intellectually stimulate each other. And we both have very similar goals on our wines. We obviously work with different terroirs. Jeff is focused in the Santa Lucia Highlands. I'm much more focused in Sonoma County and Napa Valley. But we both really want to make extraordinary wines. And I feel like that's just our goal in general. So having that as a philosophy, when you put two very different winemaking careers, very different paths, and you know, we are all very different, right? The things that you taste and you like are necessary, different from person to person. So I really enjoy a lot. I think every year we keep making even better wines. We keep using pretty much the same sourcing of grapes. And those two wines have a huge demand. So I feel like people really can see how much intention we put mm 
on something that is only 250 cases <clears throat> project. You guys get along. Oh, well, you, you kind of have to, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, um, you know, you're still married. So that's yeah. a, a good testament to the fact that you must work well together as well. Yeah. So, yeah. And shared notes, let's just say again, is solely Sauvignon Blanc. Yes. So we make two wines. Uh, we actually named the wines uh, on French names because we wanted to really just with the name of the cuvee to explain to people that we are making very French-driven or inspired wines, that these Sauvignon Blancs are really super dry. They are all fermented on French oak, actually new, 100% new oak. Um, so we make two wines, one that is 100% Sauvignon Blanc, that is more like a Sancerre style, and then another one that is more of a Bordeaux blend, <clears throat> so Sauvignon Blanc Semillon. And last I checked, it looked like it was all sold out. yes. So. Yeah, so we really, I mean, when you make such a small quantity, we are not trying to say like, wow, we are just so sold out. But when you are selling so little mm -hmm. um, after, this is going to be our 12th harvest or 13th harvest. Um, yeah, the wines are known and we keep exporting a little bit more. So we we export to seven different countries, very small quantities. And we sell in the U.S. in about, seven different states wow. so okay. we kind of sprinkled a little bit of our love and passion to different places getting back to your career how would you describe a bibiana wine a bibiana wine um i would say that i am pretty obsessed with purity purity on the varietals um i love power so i really like tannins i'm not afraid of uh full body wines i think tannins uh, is something that defines the ageability of wines um and i love acidity as well so i i always describe my wines as elegant but powerful wines and very pure wines so really the intensity of the aromatics is something that i'm point out many times like people would taste their wine and would say like wow it's like how do you do this your wines are so aromatic they have so much intensity so that definitely is a purpose on the process on the fruit choices but also on the winemaking process um, I tend to do a very reductive winemaking which means I'm trying to protect the wine from oxygen during the production of the wine uh, but we also incorporate oxygen when it's needed. So it's kind of understanding when oxygen is welcome. And uh, then on the aging, we do very little racking of the wine. And we bottle uh, at a very, very low DO pickup, which is dissolved oxygen. So I would say the aromatics and the power and the elegance of the wine, all of those are really important to me. In Catleo, what is the hidden gem in the portfolio? Oh, I feel like all Catleo wines are really special because we still produce them at such a small quantities. So when you're only making 300 to 500 cases for each wine, they're still all pre-boutique wines. I think it depends on what people like. Uh, I'm a big Syrah fan. But I only make 100 cases of the Soberanis Vineyard every year. So it's between 65 cases to 150 cases. And that for me is just a Syrah that I think a lot of people would not expect to taste from California. 
Um, it's extremely complex. It's a very cool site. Sorry. So you really have this uh, vibrancy on the wines, but just the tannins are really well developed. So they're very soft, but you have so much concentration. Um, I think the Chardonnays are getting better and better. So we definitely are seeing much more excitement on the Catrella Chardonnays on the last few years. I don't know. I think they are already <laughs> special. I love the Pinot Noirs, but we only make two right now, and they are both very special. Um, and there is one wine that I'm only making about 25 cases, which is a Selection Massard that I brought from France that we planted at the Pisoni Vineyard. So oh, that's, that's, that's definitely a hidden gem yes, right now. I would yeah. say so. So if someone's interested in tasting your wines, what's the best way to go about doing that? So we do tastings by appointment only at the winery, uh, and we we are not open on the weekends, so it's always tough when people ask, can you do a tasting on the weekend? I'm like, oh, we really are trying to have some family time, and um, we are a very small team. So by appointment only at the winery or uh, at the local restaurants, or depending where people live, they might be able to find them. Okay. Top moment of your career so far? That's a tough. I have had so many special moments at different times. Um, hmm. Okay, a few top moments of your career. I would so say far. when I got accepted uh, in Cognac to study uh, viticulture and enology was definitely a big moment for my career because I didn't know any French, I didn't know anybody, and the odds to be accepted were like zero um, so that was a big uh, thing um, graduating from Bordeaux was another big moment working at Aubryon and La Mission Aubryon was probably one of my most um, mentoring and uh, I think it really shaped a lot the way I make wines um, being recognized as winemaker of the year by the San Francisco Chronicle for sure in 2015, which coincided with becoming a mom. So those were two really important moments also for my career, uh, believe it or not. Uh, becoming a mom changed a lot uh, the way you work. Uh, you work. Work-life balance. Yeah. It's challenging. Um, I would say... Getting 200 points with uh, some of the wines that I have made, that was uh, pretty significant. Um, 200 points? Two wines at 100 points oh, each. okay. Yeah. I was so like, how did that work? <laughs> two times 100 points. That's excellent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, you know, every time that somebody recognizes any of the wines that we make or that they want to talk about them, it's really always a highlight. Um my husband and I, the Chernot's wines were on uh, the Wine Spectator. And just to know that people that have been enjoying our wines get to see that too is pretty special. So I, I think we are just very fortunate. We, um, I think the passion that we have for the wines reflect on our customers and the people that follow our wines. And I'm just, I'm so thankful. I just feel very lucky sometimes. I mean, I know we work really hard, but... Well, it shows. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. Well, let's talk about your personal life because we have spent quite a bit of time on your career. 
As we've mentioned, you are married to a winemaker. I have to ask, I don't often go here, but I am going to ask, how did you meet your husband? Yeah, so in 2005, I was the harvest technologist, no, harvest assistant, so only for the harvest, to a very small winery in Sonoma. And uh, it was the first year they have their new winery, and my husband was actually custom crush, kind of... Custom crush means that you can make your wines at an, another facility that you don't own. So he was making the wines for the Pisoni family at the same location. So we kind of get to know each other because we were in the same facility. And he and his assistant winemaker, we kind of became good friends. And then I started going to South Africa. And coincidentally, he would go to South Africa to visit wineries. We were just really, we just became really good friends. And in 2007, I was trying to make a plan on how to move to Sonoma. So I said to me, like, oh, you should really come to Santa Barbara. And, you know, that's history after that. So we start <laughs> dating. And, yeah, we have known each other now for 17 years. Yeah. And we have been together 15. So Fabulous. Yeah. Where do you live in Sonoma County? What city? Santa Rosa. Okay, and if we took a step inside your house, what would we see? What's your decorating style? Huh. He and I, we are terrible on decoration, but I would say <laughs> you would notice that we have two kids, two boys. Uh, they probably take over the decoration on the house because of their toys. We like outdoors, so you would notice that my husband built that tree house for our kids, so that's a big uh, part of our outdoor activities with the sandbox. Uh, we also build our own pizza oven. So we, you would, you would notice that. And, um, what's yeah. The, what's the color scheme inside? What's Light the white, white. White. Yeah. White with two boys. Yeah. Wow. I would That's say. brave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, what's the color scheme? That's a, I mean, wood floors. Yes. Um, so mostly white inside. Yeah. Okay. When you kick back and relax, what kind of music do you put on? Who do you like to listen to? Well, right now we are listening a lot of Sing 2, the soundtrack of the movie Sing 2 because of our kids. So right. that's what Alexa plays every day. I don't know. I love jazz, um, but I love a lot of Colombian music. So sometimes if I really want to relax or just dance on my head, I will go to Colombian music for okay. sure. Do you have any hobbies? Do you collect anything? I, Do you I have time? <laughs> That's a good question. I'm kind of trying to think more about hobbies now. Um, I actually have been telling my husband that I would love to learn tap dance. Really? Yeah. Why? So, because, so, I used to dance a lot of salsa. So, when you grow up in a Latin country, you grow up dancing. It's yes. kind of natural. You don't go to take lessons for it. You just know it. Uh, but all the... Latin so, uh, music is you dance on a couple. So I used to love tango and I love salsa, but my husband doesn't dance. So I definitely am not going to go to dance without him, with, right. without him, <laughs> right. uh, or meaning with another man. I, I would not uh, enjoy that. So I was thinking about a dance that can be fun for my kids to see me dancing or to 
just goof around with them. But also a dance that I have always been very fascinated with. So I might. Um, there is a dance studio in Santa Rosa where I was thinking about taking one of my kids that loves some of the moves on the Sing to movie. And then I was like, wow, they have tap dance for adults. So, yeah. Maybe. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. Okay. Maybe. You've done quite a bit of traveling. Yes. Is there one trip that happens to stand out that's meaningful that you can tell us about? Yeah, I would say that one trip that really, like, um, was very different than anything I have done. And I, I'm a big fan of their culture is, was going to Japan. So in 2014, my husband and I, we both went to Japan. I was representing the Paul Meyer family, and my husband was representing Pisoni, obviously. So we were, like, working a lot on the restaurants and with the accounts that support our wines, and just the culture is just amazing. We export uh, Catreya and Chernots to Japan now, and Pisoni continues to be there, so... I was amazed. We went on April, so we got to see all the spring and the cherry blossom. And uh, we went to Kyoto and Tokyo, and the food is amazing. We love all kinds of Japanese food. It was really amazing. I just really got fascinated with the calm and the respect that the culture has for individuals and for the community and uh, and their knowledge about wine is remarkable so yeah I mean obviously I love Colombia but I haven't traveled I I grew up there and I love France and you know any trip to France is an experience but I think from from my upbringing going to Japan was just so different and that was just really amazing is there anything else that you could tell us that might surprise people I put a lot of time on making my kids cakes birthdays uh, or birthday cakes. Um, I think you I bake put them a, by scratch. Yeah. Ah. So it's a it's a big deal. Uh, we don't do that in Colombia. It's not like common that you would bake or that that was important. But yeah, I put quite a bit of hours. And I'm thinking about it because my kids' birthday party is coming in a week. So. It's a big deal, and their birthdays are five days apart, so oh. we we celebrate together, uh, which is awesome. Uh, but that means making two cakes or combining two cakes somehow for them to each of them to have their choices. So yeah. I think that yeah, a lot of people don't know that about me probably. That you are a baker. Yeah, well, not really a baker, but for your kids, the cake for their birthday. birthday. Yeah, yeah. I wish I would bake more so it was easier and faster when I do it. Well, every year it gets it probably gets easier right. and faster, right? True. True. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Well, Bibiana, we're going to wrap things up with five quick questions. You ready? I'm ready. They're very, very lighthearted. What kind of car do you drive? A Forerunner. Okay. What's your favorite flower? Orchids. Okay. What's one of your favorite movies? Huh. Wow. She's she might not watch a movie very often. <laughs> yeah, I, have. <laughs> I haven't. Uh, maybe Top Gun. That was a uh, cool one. Okay. Uh, just one of them. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be your all-time favorite. What's one word that best describes you? Rightful. Hmm. Okay. And last question. What are a few items in your nightstand? Books. 
A books, yes. Um, a candle, water. Okay, there you have it. Bibiana, so much fun hanging out with you this morning. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was very fun. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.